Well, hello everybody and welcome to the Broward County Commission. Uh, today, we're going to start with the Pledge of Allegiance, and it's going to be led by uh, one, a wonderful group of folks that Commissioner Ryan is honoring today, the Dania Beach Platch, Patch, and also by uh, a dear friend of mine. Um, everybody here knows Phil Busey, who's worked very, very hard, and his mother is here visiting from Colorado, and she's 103 years old and just a wonderful person, and so she's going to lead us as well. Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. It's customary before the beginning of each county commission meeting for us to observe a moment of silence to honor people from our community who have recently passed away. Colleagues, do you have anyone you'd like to remember during this moment of silence? Commissioner Wexler. I do. A couple of days ago, there was the passing of a community activist that many of us know, certainly those from southeast Broward County should be aware of, Marsha Slow Sandler. And Marsha um, was an active board member on the Holocaust Documentation Center, and she was also on the advisory board for the Area Agency on Aging. Um, I hope you will keep her family in your thoughts and prayers. Commissioner Lamarca. Mayor, thank you. I, I know that I believe somebody uh, mentioned Larry Calufetti last week, um, but being I was in Tallahassee, I, I wanted to at least highlight, and I was able to get to his uh, viewing, not even the funeral. And uh, you want to talk about seeing people from all different parts of the community, from uh, the baseball community where he was a coach at Broward College before he uh, and played before that, um, and then really just a lot of people honoring uh, somebody who just was a person that everybody said the same thing about, that he was a good guy. Um, one of the things that, uh, if you all remember, we had that Stand, uh, Stand Strong good news a couple weeks ago. Uh, the very large young gentleman, Mike Blanc, who went to Deerfield Beach High School, played at the undefeated Auburn team, and then later on in the NFL, uh, was here for that. Now, well, he was a friend of Larry's as well, and Larry actually uh, paid his salary for the uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, where he goes around to all the uh, Broward High Schools, public and private, uh, and speaks to the to the young people on the uh, on the uh, really all the different athletic uh, fields, and uh, just basically tries to build these young people up. And that was because Larry gave him that opportunity. So we can remember him again. I, I know that you did it last week, but uh, just really important in our community. And as always, let's please keep the uh, the men and women who serve us both here and overseas in our thought our thoughts as well. Thank you. This morning, we heard the song from Taylor Swift, Shake It Off, and followed by Charlie Puth, One Call Away, and in the afternoon, Farrell Williams, happy at the request of Commissioner Sharif. Uh, as mayor, I designated this year as the year of good news, and at each commission meeting, we will bring good news to the public by highlighting the successes of our county, the economic engines of small businesses, residents who are good Samaritans, and other positive happenings. This week, County Commissioner Tim Ryan will be providing good news and we'll, we'll be honoring today at the request of Commissioner Ryan, the Dania Beach Patch. Uh, Commissioner Ryan, take it away.
Let's begin by having the members that have been uh, working with the patch, if you could please come forward and join me here at the podium. <coughs> Today we're recognizing the Dania Beach patch. Patch stands for Providing Access to Community Horticulture and consists of a beautiful community garden in Dania Beach's Sun Garden Isles neighborhood. The project was created by the Dania Beach Community Redevelopment Agency in 2013 in an effort to eliminate blight and improve the quality of life for residents in Sun Garden Isles. The CRA took 1.6 acres of vacant land that had been used as a dumping ground and has transformed it into a community garden. The Broward Regional Health Planning Council's TOUCH program, which stands for Transforming Our Community's Health, helped get the program off the, off the ground with a $35,000 grant. Community volunteers spent six weeks planting 2,500 specialized containers called jackpots, and now the patch is a gym in the city of Dania Beach. Every Saturday, there's a farmer's market where the produce grown in the garden is available for sale along with fresh produce from other local farmers. There is also educational and outreach events to help residents learn about healthy eating and living and agriculture. Volunteers tend the garden and there are two part-time staff people to help coordinate their efforts. We are tremendously proud of this project in Dania Beach and I'm happy to have with me a few of the people that have helped make it possible. We have uh, Commissioner Bobby Grace from the city of Dania Beach. We have Isaac Geithers and Leon Carroll from the Patch. Gathers. 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 <laughs> Rachel Bach, Interim Director of the Dania Beach Community Redevelopment Agency. Mike DeLuca, President and CEO of the Broward Regional Health Planning Council. <laughs> Tina Phillips, the Touch Program Director at the Regional Health Planning Council. Thank you all for attending. Okay. My goodness. And I'm just here for moral support. Excellent. <laughs> and, and Barbara Effman, Chairman of the Board. Thank you for coming, Barbara. So let me read the proclamation. Whereas the mayor has designated this year as the year of good news, and at each commission meeting, the commission will bring good news to the public by highlighting the successes of our county, the economic engines of small businesses, residents who are good Samaritans, and other positive happenings. And whereas the Dania Beach Patch, providing access to community horticulture, was established in 2013 in the city of Dania Beach to bring sustainable agriculture to communities located in food deserts. And whereas the patch has transformed 1.6 acres of vacant land in Dania Beach, Sun Garden Isles neighborhood into a lush community garden providing fresh, organically grown produce to residents. And whereas the City of Dania Beach, CRA, worked with the Broward Regional Health Planning Council's touch program to develop the patch as a way of eliminating blight, promoting economic development, and improving community health. And whereas community volunteers gave generously of their time and hard work to create the garden over a period of six weeks, filling 2,500 jackpot bags, which are fabric bags specially designed for container gardens. And whereas the patch community garden not only yields high-quality, organically-grown produce 
for local residents, but provides residents with opportunities to cultivate friendships, strengthen neighborhoods, improve nutrition, and enjoy recreational and therapeutic activities. And whereas the patch has been recognized with two awards from the Florida Redevelopment Association, which celebrates and showcases the most innovative and effective redevelopment programs across the state of Florida. And whereas the Dania Beach patch has been designed to be part of the year of good news for the many benefits the Patch Community Garden has brought to the people of Broward County. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County that the board hereby recognizes as part of the year of good news the Dania Beach patch in Broward County. Would you do me the honors? To the mayor, vice mayor, commissioners of Broward County, it is indeed a pleasure to be here on a healthy note because truly the patch is healthy for not only Dania Beach but all of Broward County. On any given Saturday, you have people coming from Palm Beach County, Dade County, and Broward County picking up their vegetables, their organic honey, or anything that is pleasing for our healthy bodies. Now, I would not have been able to get up here and say this to you 10 years ago because I was diagnosed with breast cancer and not given a chance to say that I was going to be here in the next year. But when we had the opportunity to bring the patch to the city of Dania Beach, it gave me another chance to think about how I can spend my time and my community time making sure that we all eat much healthier. It is indeed a pleasure to stand here and tell you that that patch is second to none. We have received not only awards for Broward County and Dania Beach, but we have introduced it to other cities that have called us to piggyback on what we have done in our city. I encourage you, all of Broward County, if you have an opportunity to have such a beautiful entity in your city that will help us to eat healthy, to think healthy, and to share it with others. Now, I'm not a cook, and everybody in Dania Beach knows that I don't cook, but my husband does. And some of the things that we have done, especially um, at the patch, showing you how to grow your vegetables, how to make healthy salads is absolutely fantastic. And we are working on our first cookbook that we're going to share all of the things that we grow in the patch of the city of Dania Beach. I want to introduce you to this young lady who came aboard. Rachel, will you please come up? Sure. <laughs> Rachel uh, is working with the city of Dania Beach. You know, Jeremy Earl was our director for the CRA and she came aboard and she's doing a fantastic job. I encourage all of you, if you have the opportunity on February the 20th, yes. to please come to the patch. You will be absolutely awesome and healthy at the same time. And I would really like, Mayor, if you can just let Rachel say, because as the Mayor, Vice Mayor, Commissioner, they can't shut me up in Dania Beach, but I know <laughs> that you can here. And, and I just want you to know that I just want her to say a few words about the patch, if you don't mind. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. 
Um, thank you for acknowledging us here, commissioners, uh, Commissioner Ryan especially. Thank you for bringing this to uh, the county uh, board's attention. Uh, as uh, Commissioner Grace mentioned, I haven't been there that long, but I'll tell you, um, in my career as a redevelopment professional, I have never actually been a farmer, so to speak, although I don't dig in the ground. But it really has been such a wonderful experience to be involved with the, the growth of this urban farm. Um, every third Saturday, we do a special event at, at, the, at the farm, which Commissioner Grace talked about, where we do um, healthy cooking demonstrations. Uh, sometimes we have a G DJ and uh, fun activities for the children. So we really encourage you to come out. Uh, actually, this month is Heart Health Month, and so we'll be doing some um, nutrition education as well as some, um, some assessments in terms of your heart health. Um, and I really do want to um, just make sure that we acknowledge uh, Mr. Gathers and Mr. Carroll specifically, our members of the community. They really were, from the get-go, the champions for building this farm. Uh, and Mr. Uh, Gardella, who is our farm manager, and he's the technical person. So uh, as we grow, and uh, we are growing, uh, we do have a sister patch in uh, Fort Lauderdale at Northwest Gardens Housing Authority. Um, as well as we're building one in Pompano Beach, um, we would encourage the county to get involved and encourage some of our other areas, either in unincorporated or other municipalities, to join the network and be part of what we're trying to accomplish here. Thank you. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And if you can get this group picture so I can take it back, they're not going to believe that I was up before 10 o'clock. Okay, yeah, let's. And that was just one more success of a Tiflis CRA. Yeah. Well, very well done, Commissioner Ryan. Uh, we now have um, a special presentation uh, that where we're going to honor a wonderful trading partner, and I'm going to come down there. And this is, we have here with us today, the uh, Belize's Minister of International Trade and uh, his staff. And this is very important for 
you know, one for our local economy and also for our country. So I'm excited to come down. Thank you all for being here. Come on up. On behalf of the Broward County Commission, it's my great pleasure to welcome today the Honorable Erwin Rafael Contreras, Minister of International Trade with and Petroleum for Belize, along with his delegation, which includes Bell Trade, which is Belize's official government agency for economic development, and the Belize American Chamber of Commerce located here in Florida. The delegates are visiting Broward County to grow bilateral trade ties and to present business opportunities to Belize, to Broward businesses, including inviting those businesses on an outbound trade mission to Belize in March, organized by the Belize American Chamber of Commerce, the Greater Caribbean Chamber of Commerce, and also led by our own state representatives, Hazel Rogers. After this official welcome, the delegation will continue their visit with a tour of the Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport and a tour of Port Everglades. Our Broward County Office of Economic and Small Business Development also organized a workshop called Doing Business with Belize, an educational workshop on export opportunities to Belize, which will be held at the Lauderdale Lakes Library today at 2 p.m. Belize is Port Everglades' 25th trading partner with over $124 million and 8,472 TEUs traded in fiscal year 2015. Port Everglades also offers two shipping services to Belize City through Hyde Shipping. The Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport does not presently have direct flights to Belize, but the Miami International Airport offers direct service through American Airlines. Some of the export commodities to Belize include automobiles, general cargo, grocery products, and trucks, while the import commodities from Belize include fruits, citrus juices, household goods, shellfish, and medical equipment. Belize offers export opportunities in the following sectors, construction and building equipment, port and airport development, renewable energy, food and beverage industry, medical devices, consumer products, and technology, technology to name a few. The minister, along with his delegation, is also looking forward to bringing a delegation and having a great presence at the Florida International Trade and, and Cultural Expo this year in October. We hope this visit will help us explore the potential to increase our trade with Belize, which could lead to direct shipping services to this country. Thank you very much for visiting us today, and please accept our warm welcome from Broward County, Florida. On another note, I'd like to present the minister with the key to our county, as uh, your trade as a trading partner from Belize is very special to us and our community. And Minister, it's nice to Thank see you. And, and would you like to say a couple words? Yes, of course. Absolutely. Oh, that is so nice. Absolutely. Wonderful. I have some hot sauce. Which is, <laughs> that's good. I'm going to spike somebody's coffee in a little while. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Mayor, Deputy Mayor, Commissioners. Ladies and gentlemen, a pleasant good morning. We're indeed very happy to be here at Broward County. This is about our third time that we're here, trying to promote and strengthen our ties between Broward County and Belize. Um, I would like to take this opportunity of thanking Paola Isaac, who has been very instrumental in, in getting both states together. And I would also like to um, thank Mike Young from the Diaspora, who is also our president of the British Chamber of Commerce, who also has been working tirelessly to bring 
people from Broward County to invest in Belize. And I would want us a few permission for him to say a few words. Sure, of course. Thank you. Well, thank you, everyone. We really appreciate this time. And uh, thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Commissioners. Uh, my, uh, I'm actually res a resident of uh, the city of Miramar. So my commissioner is Ms. Farber Sharif. And that's so, a wonderful commissioner. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Theofolens, thank you very much. And Ms. Stacy, I know a mutual friend of ours. But thank you guys very much. Um, from Belize, uh, thank you, Minister. Uh, we also have the... Uh, Belize uh, Investment and Trade Promotion Agency, Bell Trade, represented here, um, Mr. Hiro Balani, and um, also Mr. Sergio Chuck, uh, Minister's Aid, and thank you again, Ms. Paula, for everything. And we have to also uh, do a special uh, thank you to uh, Representative Hazel Rogers as well. And uh, well, basically, uh, the purpose of this uh, is to facilitate a two-way win-win street between Belize and Broward County. Um, we're, we're somewhat biased because, uh, you know, uh, my being a resident of Broward County, we love the county, um, and uh, it's, it's, it's a win-win-win situation that we're trying to uh, establish here. Uh, with the trade mission in March uh, 2016 this year uh, to form strategic partnerships, uh, hopefully between the Fort Lauderdale Airport and a new international airport that's being built in the southern part of the country in Placentia and also the deep water port in Commerce Bight uh, which is also located in the same jurisdiction same area uh, of the country uh, and we also have uh, already we already have like two companies uh, from Broward County uh, Purify Fuel and another company that actually have signed on to go down with us to the trade mission in March so we're very excited about the possibilities. Uh, this is just the beginning of a long-term beautiful relationship, we hope, mutually beneficial. And um, we have the event Doing Business with Belize uh, that's hosted later on by the Small Economic uh, Department uh, from 2 to 5 p.m. in Lauderdale Lakes. And we have, a, we have many sayings in Belize. The cultures are very similar. One that came to mind from, from, from our team at the Belize American Chamber is to believe in Belize, all right? So um, we want to add, we want to make a, an addition to that, and we say uh, we believe in Broward, believing in Belize, so. Well said. Okay. Nice. Thank, you. Thank you. Well said. Thank you. Would you all like to get a picture of this? I'm actually going to give this to you.
Uh, he said you'd be better betting on the horses than playing the horses. Mayor, if I may take a moment of course, uh, while our delegation is leaving to, to just acknowledge the great work that Paula Barrera and our Small Business and Economic Development Office is doing. Uh, Paula basically is one person who is doing a phenomenal job with uh, supporting uh, or, or uh, opportunities for importing and exporting and supporting the Port, uh, port Everglades. And, and, and to Mike, uh, who is a Broward County resident, I want to thank him for his ambassadorship and, and his help during FITSI. He, he was a big part of getting folks engaged, and this is a continuation of that, and we hope to expand even more of it uh, as we go forward. There are some benefits that's building as we go forward into this year. Well said. <clears throat> now, for those of you in the audience, please turn off and silence your cell phones. Any member of the public and the audience that wishes to address the County Commission on an item on today's agenda, please come forward and fill out a speaker's form located on the dais and furnish it to staff. Once the item is called, further speaker sign-ups will not be allowed and you may not be permitted to speak. When you are called upon, you will have three minutes to speak. Please keep your comments to the subject being discussed. We ask that you address the Commission in a polite manner and that you refrain from making impertinent remarks, personal attacks. If you fail to do so, you will not be permitted to continue speaking. Please be respectful to those who are speaking today. We do not allow any applause, cheering, or booing during the meeting. Any person disrupting the meeting will be asked to leave the chamber. I'm now going to read the uh, Tuesday night memo. The following requests are submitted for your consideration. Consent items are numbers 1 through 38. I request the following withdrawals and Scrivener error corrections. Item number 28, defer to September 20, 2016 or sooner to study compliance with the effective land use plan. There are no Scrivener's errors. I request that item number 30 be moved from consent to regular for the purpose of a potential conflict. Item number 39, 40, 41, and 43 be moved from regular to consent. At the public hearing at 2 p.m., there are uh, Scrivener's errors. Item number 3. Exhibit 5, Notice of Adoption, currently reads Public Hearing 2 p.m., January 12, 2016, should read February 9, 2016. Additional material for the 10 a.m. meeting, Item 1, B, and C, Board Appointments. Item number 4, Exhibit 4, added by Public Works Department. Item number 26, Memo to the Board from Finance Administrative Services Department. And Item number 42 is a Memo to the Board from Finance Administrative Services Department. I'm now going to ask for pulls from the County Commission. We'll start uh, with Commissioner uh, Bogan. Commissioner Bogan, do you have any pulls? None. Commissioner Holness? 24. 24. Commissioner Lamarca? I would like to leave 41 on. 41 Commissioner Ryan? Oh, Commissioner Vice Mayor Sharif. None. Commissioner Ryan? Item 23. Commissioner Ritter? Commissioner Wexler? I'd like to leave 39 on. Commissioner Furr? None. Show, show the consent items being items 1 to 29, 31 to 38, uh, and then show the 
that 40 and 43 are moved to consent and show the regular items being 30, 39, 42, 41, 44, 45, and with item number 28 being deferred. Do I have a uh, motion? All in favor signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? Show the item passes unanimously. The first item uh, is item, I believe, number 23, which was uh, pulled by Commissioner Ryan, and that is almost there. Oh, okay. That, oh, it's item number 23. Commissioner Ryan, you are up. This item 23 is a motion to file the quarterly investment report. Uh, Broward County's investment portfolio is in excess of $2.5 billion. Uh, we show in the backup that uh, the yield on the investments uh, is almost 1%, which is higher than it has been for the past three years. Uh, but uh, we do have a lot of market volatility. I understand that we do not invest in the equities so that we're not exposed to that, uh, those, um, those movements by the, um, the Dow Jones Industrial. But I did want to inquire to the county administrator with regard to um, we've had some changes um, at the federal level, um, specifically the Fed, uh, with regard to the discount rate. And with that, uh, that should provide for an increase in yield on our investments. Do you have somebody from your staff that might be able to speak to what the um, investment strategy is going forward in the next quarter? Yes, uh, Mr. Uh, Miracle, please. Good morning, Mr. Miracle. And uh, you heard the, the nature of the inquiry about what are your plans for the um, investments. I see that you have some of of uh, the uh, investments that have some of the lowest yields will be coming due soon. So um, what's the plans going forward? Sure. Thank you, Commissioner Rang. Commissioners, um, what has happened, and as you um, mentioned, Commissioner Ryan, is that the Federal Reserve Board, they raised their short-term interest rates by a quarter percent in December. At that point in time, um, a lot of the financial advisors um, were saying that in fiscal year 2016, this year, that there would be about four um, additional um, rate rises um, that the board would have, and that in the fourth quarter of 2016, they were projecting that the um, Fed fund would be uh, one and a quarter percent. Then January happened. Um, the oil um, prices um, decreased. Um, they're now under $30 a barrel. Um, China's economy has their numbers, their GDP has decreased to about 6%. And so there's a lot of uncertainty as how much of an impact will that have to the U.S. economy. We have been meeting with our financial advisors over the last couple of weeks. We do this once a year. And they mention now they have revised their projections and they only anticipate maybe only a two, two times this year that the Fed would raise rates. And so now they're looking at, um, in the fourth quarter of 2016, that the Fed fund rate would be 75 basis points. So what we have done is we were able to get in, let me remind you, in November, December, we get the majority of our property taxes um, that come in. And so we have an opportunity at that point in time to make additional investments, and we took advantage of that. And so let me just give you a couple of numbers. 
as you as you mentioned um, at the end of um, December our rate was 87 basis points as of today it is now 99 basis points um, we are actually projecting at the end of this month that it should be over 1% and so we're starting to see from that raise rates that occurred in December we're seeing that in our own investment portfolio we can um, we will um, continue to see that and it all just kind of depends on what the Fed does and we probably will not have anything as far as a raise in rates until maybe early summer that's what we're projecting well that should coincide with the maturity on um, one-third of our investments uh, it's coming due in about five months mm -hmm. and it, the uh, the yield on that is just over four-tenths of one percent so I know you're working with the investors but since we have such a large portfolio I just wanted to bring to the public's attention you know the investment strategies that we're following and opportunities to to uh, to get the highest yield based upon changes in the uh, the monetary policy at the federal level and if I can just remind the Commission our, our goal our objective is safety security and liquidity so our, our first our first initiative is not necessarily return I just want to make sure that the Commission knows that the citizens know that because we're not making investments that could jeopardize those dollars we're making secure investments in the federal funds so that there's there's not a better investment you can make as far as a security standpoint at this point in time right well, we're constrained by state statute on that the the range of investments we can make so um, I, I mentioned that we're not in the equities market, but um, within the, the range of investments that we are able to, uh, to engage in, um, it just, it's something that, of course, you want to have security, number one, and liquidity, uh, but at the same time, we do want to um, invest the taxpayer's money as wisely as possible, getting the safest and largest yield possible. Agreed. Commissioner Bogan. Yeah, I was just curious if I can ask you, uh, Mr. Miracle. What, what um, you said, it depends on what the Fed does. What does it matter what the Fed does? You're going to be, keep, I assume you're going to be investing in short-term instruments that are providing a, you know, because safety being the most, uh, you know, obviously safety is the most important factor in, in any of this. And with the market having its biggest decline, you know, since January, I assume everything's going to be in short-term instruments. Yeah, I mean, t our average uh, maturity right now is about a year, is about a year out. So um, as the Fed, if, if they decide to increase the rate, let's say, in, in June, what we would automatically get a 25% bump in our short-term short investments, exactly what you're talking about. So we would actually see a rise in our, um, in our yields. Does that make sense? It, it does. I, so so as, as the Fed increases their Fed rate, we will also see that uptick as well on top of looking out longer term in one, two-year maturities to see as far as that yield curve is, is concerned. Right now, it's very flat. But if that starts getting steeper, then we may look and elect to choose longer maturities because they provide us a higher yield. It's a, it's, it's a, com it's a combination. You have the short-term and you have the long-term outlook, and we're looking at both. No, I understand. Mark, your, your mic's off. My, my thought, though, is that since, since rates are so low now, I, I just didn't know why they would do anything long-term because you never know what's going to – I mean, things can only generally go up. It can't really go much further down as far as rates are concerned. I don't know if you would agree with that. but uh. 
I, you know, I, I would agree with that. However, I will tell you that uh, the Bank of Japan um, just last week um, lowered their rates to a negative 25 basis points. It, it is, it's, uh, it's a little scary. So what, what's happening then is that people are making investments. If you want to make a, 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 an investment by a bond in the Jacob, uh, Bank of Japan, is you give them a dollar and you may only get back 90 cents. And none of our investments are in commercial no, bonds, I can, I can assure you none of those investments are like that. We do not have any investments that would have a negative return. No, but, uh, does, does the county ever invest? They don't invest in any, any commercial bonds, correct? No corporate bonds? No. Uh, no, no. commercial bonds? No. Okay, it's all government-backed securities? Yes. Thank you. Commissioner Wexler. Yeah, mine is a very brief question, Mr. Miracle. Um, we recently modified our investment policy. Mm -hmm. Has that made any difference at all? We, we go by state statute, correct? but we also made some changes in our own policy, and that just happened recently. So I don't know if that's going to affect the strategy moving forward. So and that's the, a question mark. Sure. <laughs> um, it, it will, but not right now. Um, because what we've done is we extended the, um, the length of our investments from five years to seven years. Um, so in a rising interest rate environment, you don't want to make those long-term type investments. But as that, the interest rates flatten out, you may want to look at opportunities to invest, again, at a longer term to get a higher yield. And we may do that at some point mm -hmm. in time, but not right now. If there's no further questions, I move item 23. All in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Show item 23 passes unanimously. We now have item number 24, which was pulled by Commissioner Holness. Commissioner Holness. Yes, I, I, I believe uh, I saw Ms. Sandra Bernard Bastian. Uh, I'm wondering if Dr. Okay, Dr. Cindy uh, Arnberg Seltzer. I spoke to her yesterday briefly and let her know I was going to have a couple of questions just for our education and, and some information to see uh, where we are with her agency. So if she would come forward, I'd appreciate it greatly. Uh, Morning, Commission. Cindy Ehrenberg, Seltzer, President, CEO of the Children's Services Council, Broward County. Good morning, everyone. Dr. Seltzer, first let me tell you thank you for the work that you do at Children's Service Council. Uh, I, I looked over the report and I saw you have uh, quite a number of expenditures. And this past week, I was engaged with some youths within the community. And, and I know a lot of what you do has to do with uh, ensuring that they are safe, secure, but they stay out of jails also. And a conversation was along the lines of why kids get in trouble, especially with shoplifting, stealing, petty theft, and, and that sort of stuff. And one of the young men says, you know, when things are tough at home and, and we can't find money for bills and foods and other things, that's something that they do, which really, you know, tore my heart apart. Uh, and I know what you do is fund summer program, and, and the money's not really adequate. My question to you is this. Is there any opportunity, since you're seeing some growth in uh, what you receive from property taxes, to probably put a match out to a business community 
maybe to uh, the Broad Workshop, the Alliance, uh, our major chambers of commerce, to see how they might partner with us to give these young people a chance to get in the workforce and, and, and to keep out of trouble. And, and it will probably solve some of the other issues we have also uh, with even issuing civil citation and managing that uh, and the cost that it, what it costs us in terms of uh, putting these young people in, in our jails. Thank you for the question, Commissioner. For those who are not aware, um, the Children's Services Council has invested in a program that we call SIA, Summer Youth Employment Program. We started that the very first year that we began, and we do that in partnership with CareerSource um, Broward because of their expertise in being able to place young people and develop worksite um, opportunities. And so we put um, about a million, one million seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, give or take a penny, um, into that program. And what that does is it pays young people minimum wage over the summer for a, about an eight-week work experience. Research shows that having an opportunity to have their first work experience as a teen happens to be a really good predictor of future, um, of future earnings potential. <laughs> so um, in the past, our money has only been able to place young people in nonprofit and government jobs. Uh, the feeling was that um, we shouldn't subsidize businesses and pay for them to have free labor. But because the need is so great, this last year, the council approved um, placing children in businesses. And so we are trying desperately to find businesses that are willing to partner with us. What we'd like from a business is if they would put up part of the salary and match us, we pay for the two-week job training program that helps teach the young people those soft skills that we hear so often that young people don't have when they go on the job. So it will do a couple of weeks of training and then have a job coach that will help make sure that they're successful. So I would encourage any business listening today to please reach out to Mason Jackson at, at CareerSource or to me or anyone on my staff, and we would love to develop that as a work site. I can tell you um, we had lost a little ground in the numbers of children served because we keep up with minimum wage. Last year we increased the contribution so there are 600 children who get placed, but from the second that that um, posting goes out, that the jobs are available, we get 4,000 applicants in a matter of two weeks. So if the county wanted to join us in that, we'd love to have you uh, match some dollars. The other source that we've been looking at is the um, community redevelopment authorities. There are some CRAs where we have to um, pay in the TIF dollars, and if they would allow us to keep that money and put it into um, summer youth employment, that would be an opportunity. It does contribute to reducing blight, which is, of course, the point of the CRAs. Yeah, and would you, do you have any idea what the figures are of those that uh, could help you? I, I know, I noticed in the report also that Hallandale and Hollywood and Davie 
uh, is working with you in some way. Can you tell us how that is, what, what, what that partnership is with these CRAs, and how much we could get from, let's say, the other CRAs uh, in, in order to help you along the way with that? I would be delighted to tell you. So um, we have to pay the TIF just as you do um, for those CRAs that were created uh, during a certain period. There are nine CRAs that we have to pay. There had been legislation that would exempt us from that, that Governor Bush vetoed and asked us to negotiate individually with the cities. We've been successful with some of those cities. Um, Deerfield is one where they let us keep the TIF. We put it into after-school programming in their uh, community. They partner with us in Hallandale. The agreement is they put the money into the Hepburn Center. Um, but we still have several cities that have not agreed to do that. And so um, some of the biggest, Hollywood Beach, we have a small agreement with a little piece of Hollywood Beach but we're still paying nearly a million dollars to the beach CRA. Fort Lauderdale, between the two, um, is almost, well, it's about $650,000, roughly, that we pay about 300 each to Progresso and to the beach. So $600,000, if they would let us put that into summer youth employment, could employ uh, a couple hundred more more children. Uh, Davey, we're working on something with them. Margate, they put the money into, they let us keep it and we put it into child care for those children which helps their parents work. And uh, those are the big ones right now that are outstanding. Pompano, is there, is there any agreement with Pompano? They have two. There is not an agreement with Pompano. They do have uh, two. One of them, so there's this issue of the timing of when they were created and when we were created that has caused a little controversy. So we don't pay the beach. We have to pay all of those that were created prior to our creation. A little odd, because they couldn't have relied upon us when they did their CRA. But nevertheless, that's the way it's written. So we don't pay the beach. The central is 255000 Again, which I know those areas could really use either the workplace or they, we've had some conversations about some additional after-school programming because their elementary schools are F schools. And we know if we could devote that to some remedial help, could be really useful. What, what's startling to me in terms of CRAs is the creation is to end slum blight, which goes along with poverty and, and, and crime and, and other issues. But yet there's a reluctance to invest in the people within the communities. Uh, and, and the way you change the poverty and the stuff that cause all the other issues is to invest in the people, the capital of the people, rather than build buildings and put infrastructure in place. So I, I, I applaud you for making the efforts to reach out to those CRAs so that we can at least help the youths. Because if those kids are working, it brings additional resources into the households, which basically lessen the burdens uh, that are there and alleviate some of that poverty uh, that's in place. Another question for you. In terms of 
your procurement uh, process and practices, uh, how do you work to ensure that our small businesses, uh, women-owned, minority-owned businesses are participating uh, with you in, in, your pro in, in your procurements? Well, um, we don't procure much in the way of the hard services that fall into those guidelines. For the most part, our money is going into the human services, and they're not categorized quite the same way, to the best of my knowledge. Um, so our, but when we buy hard services, if it falls within a certain threshold, our furniture, which we buy occasionally, yeah. and uh, equipment, we go through the state bid. Okay. When we buy smaller things that we can do locally, we try to use local businesses. We'll get three bids from small minority businesses, usually in the local area. And to the extent that we can promote those that use children, we do that as well. A lot of our printed material we get from the Mount Olive Entrepreneurship Program where they employ the young people in the printing shop. So we always look for those win-win opportunities. Okay. Would, would, would uh, a conversation with our Small Business and Economic Development Office probably help would, uh, giving you some more resources to uh, be able to find some of these people, would that be okay? Absolutely. Could, could be done? Okay. Always happy to help. All right. I, I, I thank you for that. Uh, when, when I looked at the uh, the report, I noted, and, and you know, folks have said over time, most a lot of the services that you're procuring for uh, these uh, youths are not necessarily from within the the areas with the greatest need, like 3331, the Pompano Deerfield Beach and, 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 and down south. Uh, tell me how you manage that process and, and, and how is that done? And, and is, is that correct or not? Um, well, I can tell you that the area where the majority of our services and the majority of the programs are located is 33311. By far, that is where the most money and the most number of children are served. In fiscal year 14-15, over $9 million was invested in services in Fort Lauderdale. Um, 43,000 children were served in Fort Lauderdale, and that does not include in Swim Central and the calls to 211 because those would um, skew the numbers dramatically. So the services are being offered there. You recently received a copy of our latest annual report just uh, before the new year, and there's a page in the back. I have a couple of extra copies, but when you look at that and you look at all those little dots that you can't see so well from here, but I'm happy to hand it to you, uh, you'll see that the headquarters locations are primarily in the areas that you would expect them to be. They're in the Fort Lauderdale 33311 area. You have another concentration in the Hollywood, Hallandale, West Park area, Pompano again. Deerfield, there are clusters. It has been a struggle to have enough providers in that Deerfield, Pompano area. There seems to be some issues with zoning and and physical locations, but I can promise you that the services are being offered there, even if the providers are not. 
I know one of your other concerns is about the small minority agencies. Yeah, and to build capacity for those smaller agencies that, and, and, and also to deal with cultural competencies. Like I know MDI has been out and there's a large Haitian population in, in, term, in, in, in our community. How are we dealing with those uh, cultural competency issues? So cultural competency has, again, been in the forefront of our work from the very beginning. And we have worked with the agencies both on capacity building and Sandra Bernard Bastion, the chief communication officer who's been with me from the very beginning, um, has a passion for those areas in particular and has led our capacity building and our cultural competency efforts. Um, it's hard for, we can't create agencies where there are none, but we can help foster those agencies that exist and provide them with the tools to grow and succeed. And we have done that successfully in, in many areas. MDEI's going out was a, was a huge loss to the community. We're working down south with one of his protégés, Magali um, Prezu, and her community action center, who's been a partner with us on the earned income tax credit effort. We also created under the Children's Strategic Plan umbrella a committee that's actually focused on Haitian children and families and have pulled together all of those that are working in the field. And through that effort, not only are they learning from each other and building out but we also got the attention of the school board. And um, Laurel Thompson is now, through her family engagement program, using that committee and the tools and resources that are being built so that the school board can more effectively reach out to the Haitian population. I, I can't say it's solving the problem, but I did, and I just left it at my seat, uh, get the numbers of how many Haitian children are being served and it's in the, in the thousands. We're reaching them. We're trying to do it as culturally competent as possible. In fact, one of the newest endeavors that we have funded the training for um, in the child welfare system is something called uh, CPP, Child Parent Partnership. And we are just putting in a couple of Creole-speaking therapists so that they will have the same advantage of this specialized intensive trauma-focused therapy for children zero to five and their parents. Well, thanks for taking the time to go in depth on, on, on these issues. And, and again, thank you for all you do. And I hope that uh, some of our businesses will engage with you and, and ensure that many more of our children uh, get into the summer program uh, for 4,000 applicants and only 600 uh, it's, there's, there's a huge gap there. Uh, I, I got to tell you that, in fact, uh, since I've been here at the county, we've actually engaged some of those young folks for the summertime program and in my real estate offices over, over time. Uh, we've done that also. Uh, and I encourage everyone that's listening who are in business to help to ensure that we're putting these young people in the right place and, and keeping them out of trouble and saving us a lot of money and uh, at the same time building our community stronger. And, and maybe some of the CRAs will start looking to invest in uh, the people within those areas. And, and, and a lot of these communities uh, are residential, and, and the tax comes from these small these home, home, homeowners. It's not real large commercial in many of the ones that, that still need to chip in a little bit more. And it can help to build those communities and enrich them and, and create opportunities so that 
larger business would come in because if the earning power within these communities increase, then business will see fit to go in and invest. Again, thank you. Thank you very much. And the satisfaction rate, just for any businesses listening, the satisfaction rate from the employers is very high. Um, so it's not charity work. You're really getting a worker. We make sure the work gets done, and they're happy with, with the supports that they get. Okay. Thank you. And if no one else have a question, I, I move that we approve. Uh, no. Commissioner Furr. I actually appreciate what he's bringing up um, with the idea of trying to, to um, attract other businesses. Do we have at the Children's Services Council some kind of flyer or something that, like, like tomorrow morning, I'm going to the Broward Workshop. To, they're going to be talking about digital technology. It would be nice to be able to hand thing, have something to uh, give them information about that program. Do we have something like that that we can... Um, Career Source has yeah. it. We okay. haven't developed it, but Mason will be there with you tomorrow, right. and right. he will add that um, plug. But I'll okay. make sure that you have them, and if anybody else wants them, I'll ask uh, Career Source to get them to you. We we yeah. need that help. Yeah, I think it'd be, I think it'd be good. Second, if you if there's a way, if you could, <coughs> I know we had worked before on diverting some of the CRA money to uh, yeah, something else, but I didn't realize how much more had, how much more that had gone. Can you give us the actual figures? It might be helpful to all of us if, if all of us knew how much was, you know, going to that that could be going to children's service that is could be going to children's services council is actually going into CRAs. If you could actually I give have us it right here, if I could give it to someone. It's about two million. It's about two million. Yeah. Yeah. Each 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 district has different amounts. Right. right. If you could give that to us per by city. Per city. Per city. I mean, it is. It's yeah. broken down so here by city. That'd be right. great. Thank a you. A, little bit. a million from Hollywood. 650,000 from Fort Lauderdale, 250,000 from Pompano Beach, and, and I don't know what the rest are, but she did and give we, us we those numbers. A lot of it before. We can yeah. try it again. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Commissioner. Thank you. Anything, anything you guys could do to help there, we would love it. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, oh, I'm can I follow up? <laughs> yeah, right. I know you and the CRAs and the it's all good. We, we could yeah. not be your front person on that one, but. It, your, it, is, your, is the agency willing to, is, is the Children's Services Council willing then to guarantee to the CRA, to the cities, that those dollars will only serve children from that area? Yes. You're, you're able to do that, right? Yes. Well, that should be a really big we have We have successful, and, and we'll use it however they want. You heard me say, with Margate, they really cared about child yes. care. So yes. we place children in childcare from Margate with that money. Deerfield wanted after-school programs. The other thing, since you've given me the chance to say this on the record, not only do we guarantee it will be spent there, but for the most part, they get double or triple whatever it is that they are paying in. They, we would get back from Deerfield 150, and we were putting something like 400,000 into that after-school program that we let them help select the vendor and we account back to them for exactly how it's spent and Cindy, the difference it's, a win, it's, it's made. a win win this for the most part you know we're in litigation with the pompano one of the pompano CRAs so this commission really has to be very careful how it steps forward um, on behalf of that idea but it's a fabulous idea um, I, I absolutely think it's a win win for everybody particularly the kids the families and the community. So 
you know. Thank you. Go for you it. You got good yeah. relationships with Fort Lauderdale or Hollywood. That's where the big yeah. money is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See okay. what we can do there. We'll see what we can do. Come on, Chip. <laughs> Commissioner Lamarca. <laughs> yeah, we can't be your lobbyists, but, yeah. but we can be. We can advocate. Um, just one of the things that you you had mentioned. Um, you had a really good relationship during uh, the reauthorization of, of the of the organization uh, to the to the voters uh, with Broward Workshop, for example, and uh, the business community, the Greater Fort Lauderdale Alliance. I would I would definitely recommend, and and I'm happy to advocate as well. But just you know to continue to uh, it, it wasn't a one time thing. I mean, education yeah. is something that goes on forever. So um, ultimately, let's look at it from a dollars and cents point. They want a talented workforce and. These kids want to have value moving forward in life and have a great life, and it's a it's an it's a win win for them. So I would, I would continue to work with them, and I'd be happy to help you as well. Thank you. I would appreciate that. All in favor of item number twenty four, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed. Show item twenty four passes unanimously. We're now moving on to item number thirty, which is a motion to consider approval of a plat entitled Florida Park. And I'm going to turn it over to Commissioner Ryan for a statement. Item 30 is a plat approval. Uh, I have an ownership interest in a parcel of property that is not adjacent to the cited issue, uh, but it is close to the site. It's therefore uh, foreseeable that uh, this vote may inure to my special private gain to avoid a conflict of interest. I'm going to abstain from voting on the item. I'll leave the dais until the item is concluded. Ask that the minutes reflect that I am abstaining. Move it. Second. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed. Show item 30 passes unanim uh, eight eight with, uh, passes unanimously with one abstention. Come on back. We're now moving on to item number 39, uh, which is a motion to approve the interlocal agreement between Palm Beach County and Broward County, and this was pulled by Commissioner Wexler. Commissioner Wexler. Um, I, I appreciate staffs response to the myriad of questions that I um, asked in my PBMI. Um, I was a little bit surprised to see this item before us um, when I did my agenda over the weekend. There are three districts here that are not affected by it at all, this agreement. District 5, mine. District 6, Commissioner Furs. And District 8, which I think is Vice Mayor Sharif. And what I w failed to ask, and I kind of danced around it yesterday, is question number five, but I'm going to be a little bit more direct this morning. I still have um, really mixed thoughts regarding the entire dismantling of the Resource Recovery Board and what they were doing and thinking 30 years ago. And I would hate to think that 30 years from now, the net, that Board of County Commissioners says the same thing that we were saying about the deal that was crafted. And it's not the deal for the short term, it's the deal for the long term. And that long term piece of it is the following. It's really about after the, and right now, there are no um, takers for the gray water in Broward County. Um, all of those takers 
and when you and I spoke about it yesterday, we were both completely misguided. But I was guided properly after meeting with uh, Mr. Garcia and Mr. Hutka. And, and the 30-year period of their paying off their section, because it's only the Palm Beach part that we're talking about here, and it's not $109 million, it's $44 million, $44 million. What happens at the end of the, of when the debt is paid? And so it's, and, and what happens in the short term for the customers of Broward County for the, the, the 59 million or whatever our portion is of, of this debt? We're going to enter this spring, this summer, into the budget process. All the other districts, except the three that I mentioned, I suspect you're going to propose some kind of rate hike. Hike? Hike? Is that correct? To pay for this debt? Well, you can come to the podium, Mr. Allen, but um, as we look at the system in its totality, um, we have a number of capital projects uh, dedicated to the ocean outfall uh, um, program. This is but one of those programs that whether we spent it in this in this means or in another means, we're going to have to spend money to address the ocean outfall. So it will be incorporated in in our overall rate structure. Right. Well, you didn't answer my question, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make it a nicer question this time. Let me try it a little bit differently. Based on what Tallahassee changed in 2008 and then amended along the way to move the date out regarding ocean outfall and limiting the amount of, I think it's 5% Yes. now, is what the, the goal eventually will be. The fiscal impact on users could have been far far worse. Correct. But I still want an idea of the question that I'm asking because we're borrowing for the $109 million. Palm Beach is not going to start reimbursing us for their portion of it, I suspect, until it goes live. Okay. Is that correct? All right, so that's so the first I, question. I will, I will let Mr. Allen and, <laughs> Garcia to start answering the specific questions. Okay. Of how, because I'm interested in when it comes to us setting that rate for those customers' water, what are we going to be looking at? Sure. Um, the, 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 the cost of the portion of, of our, our portion, the um, you know the 109 less the the, the 44 million and and including the 44 million at first because like you said right you know we'll we'll incur that that debt and then we'll have to start paying that debt off before we start getting revenue from that system to pay us back. Um, however, these costs, first place the cost the the impact should be minimal because we're going to have some debt fall off and the new debt come on. Secondly, um, these costs are considered costs of the North Regional Wastewater Treatment System. So those costs are borne by the 11 large users and then our retail component of that. So when that gets factored and distributed out, the, really the impact to our customers would be minimal to, to fund this. 
we're going to hold you to that come Absolutely. September and June and July and all those nice money discussion months. Um, the second part of the question is at the end, okay. when it's 30 years. Sure. You, you, you gave me, the answer that you gave me doesn't give me a whole lot of security in feeling that there's language in there to really address not uh, not a significant rate hike and what I what I kind of what I kind of what we're living with now and those that represent Weston and Davy that get their water from the city of Sunrise know that there is a surcharge significant surcharge every month I pay it. <laughs> that is put on that water and that service now that's not gray water but it's water sure so I just, I, I needed a little bit more information regarding, I don't want them 30 years from now saying, well, why didn't they put some measures in that contract to give us um, um, a better sense of how that's going to work going forward? Some kind of a, a cap or some kind of a formula or some kind of a something. So. Well, Commissioner, what, what's going to happen is, at the end of, and we'll say 30 years, at the end of that repayment period, right. okay, this, the, the contract is set up to transfer the ownership of the Palm Beach portion back to Palm Beach. And that basically then makes this contract done. Um, what in the contract we've agreed to do, and, and whether or not we do it as an amendment to this contract or we enter into a whole separate agreement, will be establishing a new wholesale rate to them. This contract for the, for the initial period we're only charging them five cents per thousand gallons as an upfront cost, okay? Because, you know, we're getting it more on the rev on the, the remaining revenues. Once that's done, and then and we're not getting any of the you know O&M costs or any of the other things, we're going to set a set a fee, and it'll be consistent to what we charge other large users, um, Coconut Creek, North Springs. You know, we'll we'll treat all three of those as as wholesale customers to us, and and we'll go through a a, a, a a, um, a manner to establish those rates. And it'll probably be consistent to whatever we're charging North Springs and Coconut Creek because they'll be charged a little bit different during the period of this contract because while they're while Palm Beach is paying us off, they're not they're not going to be deemed as being the same class customer as Coconut Creek and North Springs. So um, we're in the process of, of coming forward with a with an agreement with Coconut Creek because we do provide them reclaim water and, and uh, a line. So we're, we're coming up with an agreement and we're going to set a price there. And then normally that'll just be set by the board during the normal water and sewer rate function. If we see that, you know what, our O&M costs at the, at the reclaim treatment plant are going up, then we may need to adjust that per thousand gallon wholesale rate. But that will be done by you during the rate setting process. So the rate setting process for water is different. We don't have any customers in Broward County for gray water. Yet, we have we have some yes. I mean, it's in it's in the it's in the ordinance right now. I think it's 17 cents per thousand gallons, and there's a component for based on your meter size or your flow capacity. But yes, there is in the admin code there is a rate right now for reclaim because we do serve some um, um, uh, commercial sites around our facility right now. FedEx across the street from us, um, uh, across the street from Copens. So we do have some retail customers very now. And getting tiny. So, very but the, tiny. So the rate, rate is in there. That's it is in the there, That's the part yes. that I didn't So get. Any, any changes okay. would be approved by the board. 
Well, it's a really good deal, at least for the next 30 years. Yeah. I won't be around that after <laughs> that. So. Commissioner Ryan. Just to kind of follow up on some of the inquiries in the um, pre-board meeting inquiry by Commissioner Wexler. So you, the reclaimed water, so you, you send the water out to the household, it comes back as sewer water, you treat it, it's then reclaimed water, you send it out a second time. Uh, what are you doing with um, the water that um, you come from, you know, you get a big rain and um, we have a lot of storm water. Uh, is that mixed in with the reclaimed water? Okay. Mr. That's Garcia. Of, that's disposed of, you, Mr. Garcia, if you come up, that's disposed of separately. Well, I, I say the storm water is not mixed with the reclaim. There, there are some areas, like for instance, in, in Palm Beach, what they're gonna do is the golf courses are gonna store that water. So they will have <coughs> storm drainage probably go to the pond and mix with the, with the, uh, with the gray water. For us, the only thing we see with the rains is systems that allow more groundwater to seep into them. We get a higher flow into the plant. Um, and then, you know, what we can, you know, for instance, if it rains, we're not probably distributing a lot of reclaimed water out there. So then it would just go down in, in the injection well or the, um, as, as, as allowed by the amendment after 2025, peak flow and, and rainfall flow can go out through the outfall. All right, so with, with your um, gray water, um, when you send it to commercial users, you mentioned FedEx or others, um, and they use it, you know, on the lawns and, and you know, for, for non-potable water, um, does that reclaimed water end up um, recharging the aquifer? Probably typically not. I mean, a, a heavy rain could seep through and, and, and clean, but for the most part, it, it would not be significant. Okay. So the, um, the concern that, that I shared with, that Commissioner Wexler had is that in the answer on, on question number five with respect to the agreement, uh, why wouldn't you just have an agreement with Palm Beach County that they would pay uh, what the large users pay for, for reclaimed water now? I think you mentioned, you know, 17 cents a gallon or, or 1,000 gallons and and five cents for Palm Beach County. What's, what's the thought process on why there would be uh, two tiers of pricing? I, I, think, I think the reason we looked at it that is because, you know, part of it is we're getting the revenue back from Palm Beach to pay the system off. And, and while that's happening, you know, I guess we could have had a higher front end and then less revenue on the, on the back end, but we just set, the, set it as a, as a nominal just to, to, to try to, one, encourage uh, Palm Beach to get a lot of customers on board, people to use it, so their initial rates aren't real high, um, and then and generate more of the revenue. And then eventually, once they're not having to pay us back, then we would we would increase. But the thought was that front end keep that a little bit lower, so their initial rates to their users, which would really generate you know the uses on it, you know would would be um, would be you know not um, excessive. Yeah, I thought that kind of dovetailed with um, the dilemma that we're in that uh, it used to be before uh, the legislature said that you have to minimize the ocean outfall, which is the amount of gray water that was pumped directly into the ocean, uh, that now, you know, we have, we have gray water that we have to dispose of and not enough um, opportunities to, to do so. I guess your, 
They're working towards some uh, deep well injection with uh, with gray water. When will that be? Uh, well, we've got we've got two new wells that are about to go online, which will give us eight injection deep injection wells, and that will be it for now. So um, that will be our primary disposal source once the outfall twenty twenty five hits, and then we can only use the outfall for you know peak flow and backup discharge. That will be our primary, along with growing the um, uh, the reuse. But because of the, the, the legislation, they're requiring 60% of our outfall flow to be done as beneficial reuse, which is a little over 22 million gallons a day. So that's, you know, the reality is right now we've, we've reduced our outfall flow anyway because of the, the, the interim nutrient, nutrient reduction requirements of the, uh, of the law. So once we do that 60%, it's basically like, take our flow out to the outfall now, and it's going to be reuse, and, and it's just going to uh, flip-flop that way. But the primary disposal method will be the, the deep injection wells. Right. So the total cost of the project is $109 million, um, a little more than $50 million for upgrades to the Copens Road um, yes. water plant so that you can have additional capacity of water that you can treat. Um, and then you have a smaller expense, I think around $15 million to construct the uh, the transmission line out to um, to the county to, line. to Northwest Broward yeah. I, and then um, so you're gonna have a meter that'll be on the transmission line to Palm Beach County and it'll be metered before it, it heads right before to the it north. crosses the Hillsborough Canal into Palm Beach it'll be metered at that site what's the term that um, it will take to um, for Palm Beach County to pay down that 44 million dollars we're, we're looking between 30 to 35 years um, and 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 once again this this we've not looked at this project as a necessary return on investment it's the 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 most cost-effective way for us to dispose and meet the requirements of, of the law plus you know we do get it paid back over time you know even though it's it, it's not like we're, we're saying hey we're gonna get a return on investment 15 years at this point it's longer but it's certainly the most cost-effective way for us to be in compliance with the uh, the state law. Right. Is there um, some type of an agreement on the minimum and maximum uh, flow that will go to Palm Beach County? Yes. Uh, I think it's first, I don't know if it's five or eight years, it's, it's, they, have to, they have to pay for a minimum of two million gallons um, at that five cents, and then it goes up, I think, to 10.51. <clears throat> but their, their thought is it, it might hit as high as 15 million gallons uh, per day of use because Ultimately, after they do the golf courses, I think their plan is to start distrib distributing it to residential bases. Right. So this, you know, appears from your discussion, this is the most economical way for the county to dispose of this gray water. And this is why you have structured the, um, the construction and the repayment under this, this scenario. That is correct. All right. Thank you. Commissioner LaMarca. Thank you, Mayor. I'd Wanted to echo that Commissioner Wexler brought up the R the RRB issue and the rumblings that the cities want to get back into some kind of arrangement like that. Mm -hmm. I know that I know that our commissioner, to her left, is is working on what is right for everyone, not necessarily the the municipalities or the county, but right for the for the community and for the environment. So, should be that should be an interesting long story as well. Um, with regard to what what uh, has been talked about a lot of a lot of the issues have been covered but I want you know I want, first I want to recommend that every commissioner if they haven't been to the facility at WWS 
um, as much as it may not be first on your list, it is certainly uh, where a lot of important work that we do uh, as a county for services is done. Um, interestingly enough, I'm in a situation where in Lighthouse Point, part of the city gets water from the city of Pompano Beach and we pay that upcharge literally from right across the street. Um, and then we, we send our used water out to, to the county. So to, to interact with two different accounting systems and have fun with that monthly. But uh, it's a, the process is interesting because, well, Commissioner Wexler mentioned gray water and that type of thing. It's really, I think the, the water from the Pompano facility is like 98%, I'm told, uh, basically 98% clean. I don't recommend drinking it, but I know Bertha used to carry <laughs> a jar of it around and it was not, uh, it was not really of much color at all. It was looked like regular water. Um, with regard to my concern is 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 the overall picture and it's been been covered but the 109 million obviously is much less than 350 million that we could have been impacted on the on the outfall um, but my question is when the and you mentioned when the 44 million is paid off uh, Palm Beach County for example the users there will continue to pay at different rates because the, the the uh, the infrastructure and all that will be paid for. Then they'll pay it at more of a current rate. If I, if I could ask Mr. Garcia. Yes, Mr. Garcia. More of a current rate, and you said that is about seventeen. I mean, today's dollar seventeen cents. Yeah, I mean that's the way the way the the current ordinance for for all of our use, and it, it doesn't. We don't have a wholesale price or a, a, a another price. In fact, I think when we come forward with the Coconut Creek Agreement, we are looking to establish just a wholesale price, which will be based on a cost per thousand gallon, no meter charge. Right now, the way the ordinance is, it's 17 cents per thousand gallons, and, and I, there's, a, there's a cost depending on the size of the meter or how much flow you use on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. um, and it, so it converts, so there's a, like a minimum charge and a volume charge, like our mm -hmm. normal bill has. What we're looking with the wholesale, though, is just a straight out consumption charge, regardless of the size of the meter. So what'll happen is, you know, once, once this agreement is done, is, is, is you know paid off um, you know we certainly will look at our operating costs of the of the of the um, reclaimed plant um, and then you know we'll set our budget rates based on those operating costs and then you know the, the residential component of it and as well as the wholesale component mm -hmm. and that's why I'm, I'm saying you know it may be 25 cents it may be maybe even more at that point depending on, on on what our maintenance costs are for the system but we'll do it consistent you know However, we, we set it and, and, you know, whatever we set for Coconut Creek, North Springs will ultimately be what Palm Beach get pays once the agreement is paid off. Okay. Um, so from a, from a perspective, okay, so we'll it, look at rates then. Actually, the, the idea of not having a, a meter charge is fine. I mean, really, we, we would like to uh, send as much water through those pipes as possible. So the exact opposite of where we're uh, dictating uh, more efficient and, and less use and consumption with with uh, residential or, or regular water use we're actually trying to get more through it so that's that's fine um, no as, as long as as long as you know this is you'd mentioned that there were no uh, Commissioner Wexler used the term no takers yet in Broward and and this is something that I know that for example in Pompano Beach we would love to have that in you know the southern portion of White House Point or in other areas of Pompano where they don't have it yet uh, around my district and I, I would tell you look if you want to water your lawn and keep it green and when your neighbors doing it twice a week uh, in the middle of the summer and you want to water your lawn <clears throat> it's it's an appropriate uh, 
use of it, and that's great, and you can use it a lot more. So I think it's definitely a good thing. One of the things I would say, and I don't want to, I don't want to, want to go too much into description with regard to the relationship, but at least right now, first before I cover that, right now we've got like 11 Palm Beach golf courses which can benefit from this. We also have one that it will go right by uh, in, in uh, Coconut Creek, and then there's also two others that we talked about that are in Deerfield. Uh, they would, would they pay the water rate as well as the pipe rate to get it there? I mean, not the one that's going to be right next to it, but the other two to the, to the east of Powerline? Deer Creek and Hillsborough Pines? I mean, they, they would be considered a commercial. They wouldn't be considered like a wholesale. Okay. Know? It's not a, a sale for resale where we okay. would sell it to Coconut Creek. Coconut <coughs> Creek then charges their customers. They, you know, the golf courses would be our, our customers. So it would be, it would be based off that, 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 okay. that rate. So, the, so the, for example, when we, when we get it across the, the Hillsborough Canal and it's metered how much is going up that way, would, would this be, in other words, Palm Beach County utilities would be, or Public Works would be our user, would be our customer, and then they would, they would resell it exactly. to the golf courses. Exactly. Okay. Um, with, so with respect to how many years down the road, safe to say neither, I know I won't be, uh, as a term limit, but you probably won't be here in 30, 35 years. Um, you'll be probably going to all the Florida Gator games. But um, <laughs> with regard to uh, what's going on at that point, um, You'd mention a, a rate. I, my only concern when we talked yesterday is Pompano charges. You said what is it? Seven. I think they're in the 80s. So 80 almost cents, a buck a cents per thousand, thousand gallons. gallons, which is which is actually as much as as much as that sounds a lot compared to ours. It's actually dirt cheap to be able to water your lawn with Absolutely. that. Um, the only thing I would caution against, and maybe it's a different philosophy, is you made it made a, uh, a statement. I know you have a big job and you do it. <laughs> You do a lot with what you have, and you're upgrading that capital, the, all the equipment at the plant, and all the infrastructure. And and I, I guess maybe my maybe where I need to try to figure out where I, we can have common ground is, I don't look at the entire plant and the operations as something that okay, it's going to cost X. So let me go figure out how I bring in that, those that, those revenues. So you know, as we, as we look at this, I mean, you mentioned that you know, you'd figure out what the what the cost of running the facility or somebody would in 30, 35 years. I guess my my concern is that I don't know that depending on what this water costs, I don't know that there's going to be enough money if, if there are other things like generators and and hard, and hard costs. So um, I guess that's for them to figure out then, as long as yeah, long, as long as we leave the language open. Yeah, and I, and I think you know to clarify what I said, it would be really the O and M costs just related to the reclaim reclaim, which it's not a high cost. There's there's sand bed filters, there's pumps, but that's really it. It's not you know there's a lot more O and M related costs on the on the plant so. as a whole. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Bogan. Uh, I'm sorry. Marty, if I, oh, there was just one, one other thing. As, as, as we look at this, and I know that it was moved to consent and then pulled off, it's really, you know, for those who have made the trips to Tallahassee and dealt with this issue, I mean, certainly the folks who have been here before me know it, but because it, this would ultimately be an, an issue that flows into the ocean and from the beaches, it's become a very expensive and very... Uh, caustic conversation more so than the actual material that would be going to the ocean. Um, it, it's a relationship issue to me that <coughs> we need to make sure that we realize that this is this is a benefit that we have someplace to put it. Um, I know that there are other uh, agreements that we have with our neighboring counties and uh, this one in specific and this this is something I think we should, which, when this is done, I think we should thank them and I'm glad we got it off our plates. Commissioner Furr. Thank you. And on that same note, 
I think most people don't realize or, or realize how big a challenge the state had put in front of us. But it was a good challenge because the challenge was for, for those who didn't know, for, for each outfall you had, and I'm not sure the actual number, but it's probably around 50 million gallons. I know Hollywood's is 50 million gallons a day going out into the ocean. And for those of us who have lived here a long time, we have seen the stress on the reefs. We've seen that we've seen actual changes in the in the in the reefs all all up uh, up and down the coastline. So the fact that w that you all were able to to meet this challenge and do it in such a way that is is going to benefit, you know, not only have the water not go out to the to the ocean, but also be able to capture water and be able to use it in other places and save water for that doesn't get pulled up from the aquifer later. All these are good things, um, and you have been you found a, a plan that I think the the overall public should be very proud of. I think you know I know other other um, regions that are still having to deal with this. They have not come up with an answer yet. You have at least come up with an answer on it, and and for that I just want to commend you, because I think it's a very good. It, it, yes, is it a lot of money, but in the you know in the end I think it's it's a good plan, and yeah I'll move it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All in favor signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed, shall item 39 passes unanimously. We're now moving on to item number 41, which is a motion to retroactively approve the first amendment to an agreement between Broward County and the Broward Sheriff's Office. Uh, Commissioner Lamarca has pulled this item. Uh, Commissioner Lamarca. Thank you, Mayor. I, I, I was relatively I was, I was well informed yesterday. I just don't know that I was um, satisfied with the, with the information after I spoke to the county administrator. Um, in comparison to other rates, and I think there was a PBMI, in comparison to other rates, uh, Ms. Henry, where does this fall um, with regard to detail and that type of situation? Um, and then the other question is that this contract is through 17, was it? Yes, this is a one-year contract. Okay. Where, where does this fall with regard to other uh, similar services? Uh, the only other, uh, I believe that there's uh, Fort Lauderdale, we use um, detail rates, and, and I don't have that answer unless Ms. Billingsley or someone here. Oh, I'm sorry. Tim, if you, Mr. Garling, if you can come to the podium. I did not see you there. <laughs> The uh, Fort Lauderdale, we do uh, details at the terminal. It's $37 an hour right now. Okay. And we're proposing to move to 43 Is there, well, I mean, I, I guess it, it, uh, it, would, it would make sense that if you're leaving on a bus, even though it's transportation and you're leaving the city of Fort Lauderdale, we couldn't necessarily uh, use detail initiated in Fort Lauderdale, or could we? I don't have that answer. I know for some time, um, because the buses go through multiple jurisdictions, um, there was, uh, and this is many years ago, there was a determination that um, we would, that we'd have to use BSO because of their countywide um, uh, applicability. Uh, I believe there was some changes in law, but I don't know specifically whether or not it would apply if some other jurisdiction stayed on the bus and moved through other counties, I mean other municipalities. It probably would just create some some communication challenges, if you will. Okay. 
the let me do one other question. The the, the folks who are uh, who are doing this detail, guys, come on. It's been like this all morning, Tim. Can you give me a break? Hey guys, um, guys. The, uh, the 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 rank of that detail officer are they? It's it's, it's a law enforcement deputy that are on the buses. They're they're deputies. Okay, that's all I have. Thank you, Commissioner Ritter. Thank you, Mayor. This is now. I've said if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. I'm not great at math, which is why I'm a lawyer. But this looks like it when I added it up by 10% because I could do that. It looks like it's about an 18% rate hike in one year, which seems really excessive considering that the price of gas, for example, has fallen. Um, so I'm just wondering if there was uh, any thought to the fact that 18% is a pretty significant rate hike, especially when you consider that the deputies who are actually doing the work don't get anywhere near that in salary increase. Mr. Garling, if you can come and share with the board um, any specifics regarding the negotiations. Carefully. Please. Uh, yes, so um, we did ask for a justification of the increase. Uh, I made it about 16%. But, oh, so, okay, well, okay. like I said, I'm not a math, you know, okay. math so, isn't my thing. So um, the justification we received had two basic points. Uh, the first point was they had not received an increase since 2008, so that was issue one. Uh, issue two then is they did do a look at several other agencies, uh, municipalities uh, across the county, and uh, a term they used had comparable uh, rates. Uh, certainly this increase does push them past uh, all of the municipalities that were listed, but significantly is $2 per hour less than um, detail rates for Florida State Patrol. So it, it, it does in the justification, uh, certainly it is more than municipalities, but was less than the State Patrol. Um, may I? Of course, uh, of course. Did, they, did the negotiations start at different numbers? Uh, it really was not a negotiation. So, <laughs> Gee, there's a shock. <laughs> so what, uh, what the agreement that, that we had signed provided for is um, uh, a proposal or an ability of the sheriff to notice uh, a rate increase and uh, to give us written notice. Uh, they gave us that written notice. Uh, we reviewed it. We asked for justification. And um, uh, they gave us a starting date of February 6th for, uh, for those increases. And along with this notification, in order to maintain, you know, the uh, continuity of services, uh, we brought the issue forward. So today's February 9th. In, in the event this didn't pass today, what, what would be the practical application? Would there be no contract in place between BSO and the county for special detail? That there was an um, agreement that uh, the uh, uh, sheriff's office would continue to provide service until this issue was resolved. At what rate? at the current rate, but in this case, right, it's still the what's proposed is to go back retroactive to the sixth. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Henry. Commissioner Ryan. As part of this agreement with BSO adjusting the hourly rate for special details, uh, does that agreement <laughs> call for um, exclusivity uh, that all of the um, uh, law enforcement or security you know, at the bus stations and on the buses will be um, exclusively BSO? 
No, it does not. It, it really is a uh, detail agreement. So what it does is it provides detail, not just for uh, transit, but for uh, other agencies to perform duties as defined as missions within specific details. Other law enforcement, other things still uh, go on as they normally would. Mr. Garland, I know that you at Transit recognize that there are certain routes, certain bus routes that just have a higher propensity for um, confrontations. And these are the ones that you're, you're having manned or, or, excuse me, you're having persons there that are, uh, uh, you know, law enforcement, special details. Uh, I ask this in the context that uh, I just wonder whether you might blend having, um, you know, BSO on, you know, some of these security details. And what about using a, you know, private security for some of these services, you know, that would enable you to kind of like stretch the dollar and be able to, you know, provide this service on, on some additional routes. And I, and I say this really for the protection of the public and for our bus drivers, because some, you know, the bus drivers have some tough jobs. I mean, if somebody, you know, just goes crazy on the bus, I mean, the bus driver is, he's, you know, seat belted in, got to drive, and he, he or she's at a, you know, a real disadvantage for somebody that begins to act erratically on, erratically at the, on the bus. Uh, we do have contract with the G4S, with private security, uh, to provide mostly that kind of visibility, visibility deterrence at some of our facilities. So we try to mix and try to reach that, that balance that, uh, that you're discussing. All right, thank you. Commissioner Lamarca. Thanks. I hate to jump back in this, but just, uh, Mr. Grawling, you uh, you had mentioned that you that it's, Commissioner Ritter brought up the, the, the percentage and also the fact that the deputies probably haven't been in that situation themselves where they, you know, it's not a pass-through to the cost of doing business. So you compared that it was greater than really all the cities that uh, you were able to compare it to, but less than Florida Highway Patrol. Well, that's correct, and that was based on analysis that was submitted to us by uh, BSO. Oh, really? And um, we, ver and, and we, did, we verified, but we went and looked and I verified. I bet it's less than the Secret Service, the State Department, and the FBI as well. I mean, I, I don't know why we're even talking about the FHP. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not making light of it. It's just kind of like, you know, we make more than city commissioners. We make less than the president. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a ridiculous, but I, I appreciate you mentioning it. Um, I only have one other, one other issue. When somebody says we haven't had, there hasn't been a rate increase in eight years, thank God. Somehow they've been able to increase the the, the income and the uh, salary of the people who are actually risking their lives and, and going into law enforcement because that hasn't hasn't been an issue, uh, maybe not as much as you want every year or, or year year by year through the recession, but but that hasn't been an issue. So I, I'm just wondering why why we're using the why we're allowing the you know the reason to be they haven't had an increase in the rate in eight years. Um, uh, it, it it just it seems like if there's going to be an increase, fine, because things do go up in costs. I get that, um, but but because it didn't happen in eight years, doesn't mean now is the time to go try to make it up. Um, I mean, I'm going to support it because we need to have law enforcement and public safety as a priority. We need to have it on our, our buses and the facilities. But it just seems like maybe their strategy should have been two percent, three percent a year every year or, or when it was, they were able to get it, and, uh, and that would be a little more palatable. Thank you. Commissioner Wexler. Mr. Garling, would you help me remember what they're used for? 
they, if I remember correctly, they, they follow buses? Uh, well, yes, uh, they can do missions on buses, at bus stops, at facilities, uh, follow buses. Uh, so generally, we try to set up missions. What percentage would you say are actually riding a bus? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I can't give you a percentage. I, I can find that out for you, I'd but like I don't that, know that number. I'd like that as a follow-up answer because I think that we're going to find out that it's a very small percentage is actually riding a bus versus... Um, in years past, when I've delved into this, a lot of them are tailing a bus, following a bus. Um, they're used for at the bus depot, particularly, mm -hmm. you know, downtown, um, special events. Um, this contract, I thought that you had mentioned, this is this is not just for trans. Is this just for? No. This is no. countywide, right? This is countywide. So libraries use it and parks, and parks use it. Construction management, uh, okay. parks and, and rec. The it, it, the average is about been about two million dollars. Well, the uh, the contract that we have the agreement is for up to two million dollars of services. Uh, this year's budget is something around one point two million. Okay. So we're using less services budgeted than what the agreement okay. allows. But when we talk about that number of <coughs> budgeted two million, is that for all departments? Everybody. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I agree with Commissioner Lamarca. I wish that it had been addressed in previous years in smaller increments. But when you really look at the totality of the number of years since the request for an increase, um, the, the deal should be for you that are going to be here, um, don't come back for years. <laughs> that should be the message that is sent out there. Don't come back next year or the year after with asking for dollars more because you just asked for it, unless there's really a negotiation, which clearly there wasn't. So I would hope that that's what's delivered since this is approving retroactively. It's, it's used across all divisions yes um, and you know what people recognize the uniform people recognize people with a gun and unfortunately they are needed in today's society and with that I am more than happy to approve it for approval move it for approval sure. is there a second? second all in favor signify by saying aye, aye. all opposed show item number 41 passes unanimously uh, we're now on to item number 42, which is a motion to approve request for qualifications RFQ uh, for Broward County Project 25 radio system, step one of a step two RFQ RFP procurement. There is a audience member that has also pulled this item, and so we'll bring him up first, and that is uh, Thomas DiBernardo, the uh, Fire Chief Association of Broward County. Hi, Chief. Good, Good afternoon, Mayor and Commissioner, County Administrator. Uh, I wish all my colleagues could be here, but as you know, uh, the services for uh, Fire Chief uh, John Monopoli are, uh, are in a current right now at this moment. So, uh, but I do, I am here in front of the, uh, before you representing the Fire Chiefs Association, and I received permission this morning from the Police Chiefs Association to deliver the same message. A long time coming for our new radio system. We're very excited about that. The, both associations are looking forward to this. County admini uh, Administrator uh, set aside funds with you all permission a few years ago, and now we're at the point where we can move ahead. 
it's a good day for us. We need this radio system and we need uh, to have continued support as we go down this road over the next uh, few months. But before you today is a multi-step process that the county administrator has informed us, but at this point, neither association has uh, signed off or endorsed or pro can provide a letter of the entire architecture of this system. And I'm leaving a window for the county administrator to explain that probably further. But it's important as we go through the next uh, few months and we design this system, we all have a sign off. It is a public safety radio system. And here before you, the police and fire chiefs association need to be in support of that public safety radio system. So let's be a team. Let's work forward as we move ahead. It's a lot of money for the county taxpayer as a county resident and municipal taxpayer as a municipal resident. Many of you uh, know that this is a $70 million radio system, uh, a portion of which the large portion is over the county. But the cities do have a large investment in this as well. So please keep that in mind as we go forward. And I hope that we, I could stand here again and tell you that the police and the fire associations are excited about our new radio system and we approve it and we can't wait to launch it. But we cannot do that today. Thank you. Thank you, Chief. Commissioner Wexler. Um, if you want to jump in when I jump, I, mean, I, 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 if I may, Mayor, and then Ms. Henry will um, fill in blanks that I may leave out. One of the backups that I brought to today's meeting, um, and, I, and I believe it's, it's part of the record, is a letter dated January 29th that went to the President of the Fire Chiefs Association as well as the President of the Police Chiefs Association. On December 10th, the 4C committee met last year. At that point, it became very clear that although there had been a meeting held, meetings held by both fire and police with Mission Critical, who was our consultant on this project, and issues were raised and questions were, were, were posed by the um, fire and police chiefs associations, nobody circled back to them with the responses to their questions that they raised. Um, it, it became um, it became volatile at that 4C meeting. Um, Mr. Jefferson is Miss Henry's representative there. At that point in time, I asked that. And then on my, when I left the meeting, I immediately called Ms. Henry and relayed what had occurred. And the request was the following, that Mission Critical and somebody from administration immediately finish the circle. Get back with, reconvene your meetings with both the fire and police organizations and address every question that they raise. So bringing this item before us was delayed by a month to six weeks because it was staff's intention originally to bring it forward in January. They did that on January 19th in writing, addressed to both of those organizations is every answer to every question that was raised. And the, response, the, the questions were um, extensive. There were 24 questions and 24 responses. 
It is a very um, um, lengthy document, and it is, I'm sure, part of this record. If not, it needs to be part of this record. The, both the fire and police chief organizations raised many issues. They may not be pleased with every single answer. The moving forward today is merely an RFQ. And I say merely because today's action is the start of a very lengthy process. It's really the first step, which is a pre-qualifier step. The next step, which is an RFP, and last evening a memo, no, additional material came out mm -hmm. to us identifying that that RF, RFP is going to come back to this commission in a public arena for approval. In that document will be the actual specifications chief. So I, I, I need you to kind of understand that what this is is the 30,000 foot view of those only few um, responders out there, and I mean companies out there, that might be able to respond to what we're asking for. But the specificity of what it is will come back to us in the next maybe six to eight weeks. And at this time, I'd really like to turn any comments over with your permission, course, Mayor, absolutely. to Ms. Henry. I feel very comfortable with the item as it is before us today, and I ask for your support, and we will continue to build bridges and, and have conversation, our consultant as well as the county staff, with those major stakeholders. Well said. Uh, Ms. Henry. Again, the consultants are here. They have been here. They have extended themselves um, to uh, our community uh, without restraint. Uh, if there are any questions, any concerns that anyone has, whether it's a member of this board or a member of the uh, law enforcement and fire rescue community, they, they remain here to answer any questions that they may have. Uh, as indicated, the, the specifications are currently in draft. They're on the website for um, potential respondents to review. The, uh, as you all know, you have many of you have been here when um, we have made any moves that look like any enhancements to the system was going to favor one company or another, and we were constantly on the defense as it relates to that. So one of the things that we're doing this time is that anybody that's interested in responding, if they think that there are anything in the specifications that are lacking or somehow in fa favors or disfavors some other uh, entity, now would be the time to, to present that to the board. Um, as you also know, we have extended an invitation um, for a representative of the police chief and the fire chiefs associations to serve um, on the committee. Uh, I will follow after the board approved this. I will follow up with those two entities to determine who they intend to utilize to serve on that committee. Um, and um, obviously at that point they would be subject to whatever cone of silence issues that we currently um, are faced, but um, they were aware that that was our intent. So at this point, um, 
Um, any questions that they have, they can direct them to me, Alfonso, or they can direct them directly to the consultants. We're happy to respond. That's it. Thank you, sir. Would you like to move it, Commissioner Wexler? Um, is there a second? All in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Show item number 42 passes unanimously. We're now moving on to item number 44, which is a motion to direct, and it pertains to the Tourist Development Council and the Tourist Development Tax. This is sponsored by Commissioner Wexler. Commissioner Wexler. This is as a direct result of the um, workshop that we had with the Tourist Development Council back in October, I believe it was, and um, it was brought forward at our meeting for the TDC two weeks ago, and the three items that they identified as wanting to have addressed in ordinance are proposed in front of you. That's it. I have uh, the first on the queue is uh, Commissioner Sharif. Thank you. Um, first of all, when I read this item, we've been talking a lot about outside um, boards and committees and people wanting to have more and more authority and, and more and more power over decisions that have been made by this board and by our county administrator, Bertha Henry. I just want to start by saying that I would be really very strongly opposed to giving any of my direct uh, authority over to any board, um, any advisory board in this county. I think this is a slippery slope that we're <coughs> treading here when we start saying that um, one board's opinion is going to trump our opinion or this county administrator's opinion. I understand what they're proposing at this point, but it just seems like every single year or every time that this TDC board comes with something, they're moving a little bit closer to that line and crossing it. I would say that if we were going to consider giving this type of authority or power to a board, that we probably have to consider it for all the other 29 that we have because we have plenty of advisory boards for the county. We don't always agree with what they have to advise us on. We don't always agree with the opinions. While I appreciate the fact that they serve and in their capacity and they do put in the time, oftentimes I agree and many times I do not. I think in this particular situation that um, this particular item um, with the re uh, replacement of Nikki Grossman as she's leaving has become very, very um, volatile and politicized over, to, over um, the top. It's over the top right now. Um, I think that what they are asking is for control that they have no authority to have, and I'm not willing to give that to them. I think that we have a process. That process has worked, and I'm just not willing at this point in time to entertain giving them what they want. And um, while I, like I said, I respect the fact that they serve. Um, I pretty much like many of the suggestions that many of our advisory boards make, but there are some that I don't. And this is one in particular that um, I just think that this is a bit over the top. And I understand how they're phrasing it, but once they start chomping away at our authority and at the authority of this county um, administrator, 
Um, I think that that is a slippery slope for us to be going down, and I am not in favor of this at all. Thank you. Commissioner Ryan. I have a question to the, the, to the county attorney. As I read the, um, the proposal, uh, which is basically just some bullet points at, at this time, uh, it, it seems to just strengthen the, the input or recommendations from the TDC and provide for more frequent um, uh, interaction between the county administrator and the TDC and uh, the TDC with um, their marketing arm uh, with uh, members of the Convention and Visitors Bureau. So um, would you clarify that? I mean, we're talking about putting together a draft ordinance and um, how, based upon these, uh, these bullet points, would you be drafting the, uh, the enhanced role of the TDC going forward? Well, we do need some direction from the board. Um, the attachment or exhibit to this item um, is something that I think was prepared by the county administrator as um, a formalized process for providing advice with specific um, points in time and occasions in which the TDC would provide its advice. It does not um, give the TDC any final decision-making authority, only a more formalized role in providing um, providing advice to you. What we would need direction on is whether you want to go further than that or whether you wish to, um, the extent to which you wish to engage them in emergency or extraordinary situations. That would be extremely helpful to us. It would be helpful to have some type of a definition of um, these uh, emergency circumstances. Uh, I wouldn't want to have an emergency every month. Uh, I'm not adverse to going forward with, with a draft. I, I think we certainly need to tighten up the language with regard to uh, what the advisory role of the TDC would be. Uh, but I do um, have uh, very strong concerns with regard to extending the term of the county commission appointee from one year to four years. Uh, I believe it's, it has been the prerogative of the mayor annually to select the TDC appointee. Uh, I would not want to see uh, our mayor have that uh, authority taken away. So for that portion of it, I, I'm hoping to hear from the members and, and that you would join me in um, recognizing or, or um, uh, giving direction to the county attorney that we do not, in a, in a draft ordinance, include a four-year term for the county commission appointee to the TDC. Commissioner Bogan. Um, I, I am totally in agreement with Commissioner Sharif, Vice Mayor Sharif. Um, I think this does bring us down a slippery road. Once we do this for a TDC, we, there's how many other committees that will be coming before us saying, we want a more formalized role, we want more input, we want to go and have a, an appointee for so many years, and I think it is um, I don't think we need a more formalized role. They do provide us input. Is that correct? Uh, That's correct. Okay. Now I want to just Tim. I want to make sure Tim hears this because he. Tim, right now they do provide us input. <laughs> the TDC does provide us input. As a matter of fact, it was Commissioner Wexler that gave that slip of paper in our last meeting, showing about what type of input they want to have and someone to be on the be on it. So. 
it really concerns me now all of a sudden that there's a push to make it more formalized because after this, what's next? And, um, and uh, so, you know what, uh, the system is not broken, it doesn't need to be fixed. If we want to do a resolution, something less formal, but when you put it in an ordinance, I think it's dangerous. I think it uh, creates nothing but problems for this as well as the future. I'm gonna to be totally opposed to it. I, I, Commissioner Bogan, I, I think you, you, you posed the question to me, so Mayor, sure, if I can be recognized. Absolutely. Um, one, of the, one of the specific recommendations has to do with the, the funding that we provide for cultural programs. And I think out of an annual budget of $55 million, that's, that's about $1 million. But I know, I've heard from TDC members that that's one component that they um, seem to have enhanced interest in and, and a feeling that there's not sufficient um, uh, performance standards or, or, or an appropriate protocol to distribute that money. Not that the $1 million should not be distributed for cultural programs, but uh, I think that's really where I've heard the most, you know, of the greatest desire for them to engage and, and again, in an advisory role. Uh, Commissioner Bogan, it, are, do you Yeah, have no, I, I just wanted to, what I was really just trying to convey was that what council said that it's a, um, that this does in a more formalized role, they have the same input right now in a less formalized role. So you're putting something now in an ordinance that is that is really there already. And um, I just think, again, I agree with Commissioner Sharif that it's gonna lead us down a road that, that uh, will be problematic. Commissioner LaMarca. Thank you, Mayor. Um, interestingly enough, I am very much in agreement with Commissioner Wexler, although all these points that have been made are, are extremely valid. Um, the public art or the, the cultural piece, I understand, has been contentious. And if every dollar you spent on advertising your own business came back in the, in the form of $980, you probably would not want to spend a million dollars on cultural arts. You'd probably want to spend it on marketing advertising. And that has been their mantra. I understand that. Um, that aside, uh, this this board, you know, I, I have uh, I left the my, my appointment to the to the TDC is the same appointment that was my predecessor and his predecessor. He's been on there for a number of years, and I really wanted to change who it was, not because of who it was in particular, but because you know I wanted to have the opportunity to to make an impact and say, oh, this is the person I'd like to represent me. Um, and the more I looked into that, the more I decided to leave the only small business on there, um, and that is uh, Tim Chabon from the world-famous Parrot. Uh, so it is a small business, uh, but, but it is a, is a view that I listen to him on a regular basis, and I've gotten to know probably because of the, uh, w without going into, the, we have all kinds of areas in the county that do all kinds of great things. That's not my perspective on this, but with, from, the, from the point of a great deal of the tourism development dollars coming from our coast and our beach uh, and a consistent concern from this board, from the TDC, of where is our dedicated funding source for the beaches. We're going to get to an item after this that will tell you that it's absolutely not in Tallahassee. It can't be relied upon. It can't be relied upon that the federal government uh, will continue to, to re-nourish and rebuild and uh, repair our beaches. But all I can say about 
this board being different is is that they when they have a singular vision on something and that is that we continue to to maintain our beaches because five point four dollars to everyone is a return on investment uh, for beach renourishment uh, we've listened to that and I think we've we, we, we've all maintained that whether you live in uh, the northwest the southwest corner of uh, this county or on on the coast where we've all been advocates and and strong supporters of, of beach nourishment um, what I have found is that when this board has come back well sometimes to be honest with you, they've come back with new with with no opinion neutral uh, or no opinion at all uh, which I've told some of them look if you want to have an opinion you need to actually tell us what the hell your opinion is because if you're against it tell us you're against it don't be afraid of hurting anybody's feelings and if you're for something then the same thing and that was the case when dealing with our with our issues with how we move forward with our, our, our arena um, I, I find that I don't think that this group wants to take any power from anybody up here they wanted to do that they could you know anybody in particular can certainly file their papers every four you know every fourth year um, and do that but I think what they want to have is is more of a say in the process and they probably figure that they didn't have that with uh, with the amount of dollars we've put into uh, some other projects in the past and again they need to speak out on this um, this doesn't tell me anywhere that there's going to be a tenth commissioner vote here this just tells me that they want to have one person uh, that they want to have uh, that they want to have more say in it um, we don't have to vote for anything they give us, but I would suggest that we be transparent and open and say, all right, tell us what you want to tell us. And, you know, they, this doesn't say they have a vote. I mean, that's my, my only perspective. I don't think that there's any angling for anything else. I agree on the, the four-year issue, uh, although I pro it's m most likely that I won't be serving on the TDC anytime in Broward County. Um, I think that it's important that we have different perspective every year. Um, I also don't think that... Uh, that the Broward County Commission appointment to the TDC necessarily has to be the chair. I don't know if that was something that's assumed or what, um, or if it's in, it's in their bylaws, but I don't think that's the case. I think that they should have the, they should have the, the person they deem to, to, uh, to do that, running that. And, and, and I'll just say one more thing about a lot of the members, and not just on beach issues, but on tourism, on, uh, on cultural arts. I, I'm not, I, don't want, or I see earlier, I don't want to think I'm not, not for the project we've been doing, but I, do, I don't want to force feed anything into anybody's uh, area when we certainly have the, 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 the vast portion of the, of the county budget. Um, the folks that are on this board, I will just say this and, and, and let you make a decision on what you want to do, but they're the people that, that spend the money to get on that, that uh, twin prop flight to go to Tallahassee or drive to Miami to get there direct or go to Atlanta, however you want to get there, uh, or drive up just to be able to make sure that they let people, uh, especially folks in, in leadership, kind of like Ina Lee did two years ago when we didn't even go to Tallahassee for Broward Days, um, Senator Negron is still talking about Ina Lee, and he's hoping she never comes back to, to advocate because he's probably not gonna be able to do anything to say no, but the, the, the group has been extremely uh, successful on, on uh, making sure that Tallahassee understands that there are needs in Broward County, and on that beach piece in specific, uh, they were very successful, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to let them have a, have a say in things in, in, in the form of an opinion, but not a vote. Commissioner Holness. Thank you. Currently, and I'm going to read from what we were given, the Tourist Development Council Act as, our, uh, as an advisory board. 
And it's not that they don't have some power. They do today uh, from what they're currently doing. They have a MAC committee that meets throughout the year to review, plan, and approve marketing portion of the Convention Visitors Bureau. Budget and present their final recommendation. So today they're already doing that. Further, a, sub a subcommittee of the TDC reviews the draft CVB budget and gives input to staff. They're doing that today. Says they should. The TDC approves the final CVB budget. So we're already giving them the right to approve. They don't? They don't have that right now? You know, that is um, an interesting question. The admin code as it was drafted in 1993 uses the word um, approve when it speaks to the annual marketing and promotion plan. But, and the county administrator will correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that the CVB budget goes into the general budget of the, the county administrator that is presented to you. So you have to approve the budget. Well, then the language on this is We would not, clean that up in the end. Is, is not correct, uh, if that's what you're saying. But nonetheless, they're already in a place where they're given advice, probably more than most of the other committees that we have. To extend that, I find it a little bit troubling. And, 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 and I'm going to go to the cultural capital program, which is $1 million. And, 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 and I ask, what is our current total budget for our CVB, uh, county administrator, someone? When you look at the entire uh, tourist development program, it's about $57 million. $57 million. The CVB is just a component right. of that, so but the total program is thanks. about 50. So we're looking at 57, 50 million? Over $50 million. And for one small portion, a million dollars, to build a destination, we have folks saying, well, it needs to go into marketing and advertising. Guess what? If you don't improve your product, and you just keep marketing and advertising the same thing over and over, what's going to happen to your destination? Okay? Sun and sand is great, but there are a lot of other places with sun and sand. How are we ensuring that we're being competitive? How are we ensuring that we have a destination <coughs> that folks gravitate to and come to for some cultural and, and, and experience such as that? that people are looking for today and traveling more for than anything else. We have competition elsewhere that has sun and sand throughout the Caribbean, other parts of our country. So for us to just advertise, advertise, advertise the market, to me, doesn't make any sense unless you're doing something to build some so the destination so that folks can be attracted to come. And even when you advertise, because, you know, if, 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 if folks come once, twice and it's just sun and sand, how many times are you going to come just for sun and sand? And, and don't go somewhere else. And, and that piece is where I really have some difference. 
with many of the folks that sit on this. I think they're good people. I think they're well-meaning. But I don't believe they understand Broward County as well as the folks that sits up here. Our job is to be out in our community. We must do this. Because every four years, the folks in our community decide whether or not we stay here. They don't have that. We have to be responsive to the people we serve. And we know that yes, the taxes is collected in the hotels on the beach, but people don't come here just to go to the beach. The fact is this, if the hotels were built inland, that's where they would go. That's not where they're built. We started building hotels on the beach at the onset of this community. No move has been made to take it somewhere else. But if we had clusters of hotels inland, then what are they going to say? you got to spend the money all over here? People don't just come here and stay on the beach. Some do, but not everyone. And people come here that stays in hotels on the beach that never goes to the, sun, the sand. Never. Because they're here visiting family. They're here attending functions. They might be here for a Panthers game. They might be here for some other cultural activity or for some business activity. But the fact is this, most of our hotels are on the beach. So they're going to stay there. The taxes are going to be collected there. We've spent a little bit of money on, on, on improving the destination. There's so much more that we can do. There's so much more that we can do. The, his, the historic aspect of our community, not highlighted enough. The diversity and the cultural happenings that are here, not promoting and advertising enough, in my mind. We have to build those things so that we can attract more people here. So for me to, to then say, we're going to let someone else decide, and, 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 and I know they're not going to decide fully, but we're going to give them almost the ability to dictate to us because they're going to go and say, well, this is what you should do with the money. Now, we're going to have to say, no, we're not going to do that. That's going to cause friction. And I'd rather avoid that than to have us go against these folks who are spending their time giving us the best they have. But they're not the only one who understand what's needed in this community. We have a responsibility to understand all of that. So I have an issue there, and, and I'll join with Commissioner Ryan in, in not uh, going for a four-year set term. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and here's why. I think all of us bring different perspective to this table. We all have different life experiences. And the power that we have as a country, as a community, is the fact that we have people from different backgrounds bringing different information to the table to ensure that we're doing what's best and what's right for all of us. So I think that we ought to have that rotation continue uh, so that we are able to bring the different perspectives from around this community to the table to ensure that we're doing what's right for all our people. I think that maybe something scaled down from this, 
can be accomplished probably administratively rather than go through and codify this. Uh, if from what I'm hearing, they would like to be able to be engaged in the budget more, I'm sure that our county administrator can put a process in place where they can be heard at different stages of a budget process and, and that can be done without having to go and, 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 and change our, our, our ordinances. We're, um, we, we still have a number of folks who are going to speak. I just wanted to let everybody know for their own for our own purposes, we're going to break at 1230, and whatever we don't finish, we'll pick up back after the public hearing. Uh, but right now we have uh, Commissioner Ritter is up, and then followed by Commissioner Wexler. Oh, oh, Commissioner Ferdinand. Thank you. Um, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, gee, where do I start? Uh, I... Um, I think that, you know, I, I get that um, they're not, Commissioner Waxer, you don't think they're asking for certain things based on this proposal that some of the members have suggested are being asked, but I would disagree with you on that. Um, I, I do believe that this is a, a camel's nose under a tent and that I'm not sure why the Tourist Development Council should be singled out as the only board that gets to codify certain rules and responsibilities in an ordinance or an administrative code and not the other dozens of boards that we that we have i personally don't believe that these things belong in an ordinance or an administrative code i think that we could as a board direct ms henry to do these things in policy uh, we could say for example when possible the county administration will do thus and such um, and as a board, we should we could make that direction. But when you put things in ordinance and administrative code, which I think is is where you're headed, it's very difficult to undo what gets done. And um, and I think a, a board direction is 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 more than um, more than enough in in this case. Um, as it relates to the marketing dollars, we should we should remember that the marketing dollars that are generated by the CVB are not the only marketing do dollars used to market this destination. Each hotel spends millions of dollars on its own marketing um, budget for its own property. And so when, for example, the Tourist Development Council talks about money being spent on cultural grant programs that they believe should go to marketing, there are millions and millions of dollars that this board never sees that market the destination. And by the way, we don't get to approve the budget for any of those entities. We don't get to see the budget for any of those entities. Um, and when I was chair of the Tourist Development Council the year I was mayor, we did review the county commission, the county budget for the, for the CVB. And we also reviewed the marketing plan and took votes on it um, at those meetings. So there's nothing that says the TDC or any board can't review a county budget and make suggestions. In fact, there's nothing that says a Broward County resident can't do that. We don't have to put something in ordinance that says a Broward County resident can come before the county, uh, county commission or county administration and make suggestions or, or talk about changes to the budget or what they disagree. Anybody can do that. Any resident can do that. Um, you don't have to be a member of a Broward County Board in order to do that. Um, it, as it relates to the cultural grants program, we changed the rules for that. 
so that now TDC, the, T, the Tourist Development Council is in fact represented and as I recall, there were a couple of times when the TDC members didn't show up for those meetings. So please don't complain to me that about something that's been done when you're invited to the meeting and you don't show up. In fact, with all due respect, I don't see any TDC members here today. I don't see anybody from the CVB here today. I don't know what the staff recommendation for these proposals are. Um, and clearly they've been run by the CVB staff because there were, there were representatives at that workshop we had last year. Um, I, Commissioner, Commissioner Lamarca, you said um, something like, and I know I'm, I'm not, this is not a direct quote because I can't write as fast as you can talk. I can write as fast as Dale talks. Um, but you said, let them tell us what they want to tell us. Well, there's nothing that says they can't do that. They can visit us. They can make appointments to see us. They can come to county commission meetings. We can go to TDC meetings. Um, some of us do, even though we're not on the TDC. And um, as it relates to the four-year term, um, I don't support that. In fact, I, I think too often as a body, we county commissioners take our board appointments too much to heart. We believe that we own them. And I think we should rotate them more often. Um, it's, it seems almost, it's almost as if you can't get a board appointment you're interested in until, there's, until term limits kick in. And then there's a vacancy. And, um, and, and I know that when, you know, when you're mayor, you get, when you're doing the board appointments, you get, oh, I don't really want to make this commissioner angry at me by taking he or he, she off of a board appointment. Um, but I think we should rotate more often. I think to suggest that a county commissioner can't get up to speed on an, on an issue in less than a year does a disservice to those of us who serve on the county commission. Um, I, I've been on the cultural council now for a little over a year and, and I don't think it took me that long to figure out what it is they do and why they do what they do and, and how they do it. And I think that's true with any board that we sit on. Um, so I, I don't know if I'm gonna move this forward today. And I know you need six objectors and you probably don't have six, six objectors to move this forward, but I just think that putting it into an ordinance or an administrative code is a very dangerous thing to do. Um, I also finally let me say this, I think the chair of the TDC should be a county commissioner because the Tourist Development Council is, is, um, is a, an offshoot of government. And I don't think that anyone on the Tourist Development Council, or for that matter, any of the boards we sit on, um, any of the private sector members of these boards do not, do not have the inherent understanding of government that an elected official has. And um, all of these boards are government boards. They are not private sector boards, have to, have to, um, live under the rules of the Sunshine Law and all, and all the other things that we have to do as elected officials. And so I believe that the chair of the TDC should, should continue to be a county commissioner. I don't believe that it, a four-year term is necessary for something, for something like this or any of the boards. That's my 10 we, minutes. It's uh, 1230, so we'll pick this up after the uh, public hearing. It's now time to break. <laughs>